This podcast is given to you by Arloka David Smith, teacher and founder of the Dharma Mind Buddhist Group. For more information, please go to dharmamind.net. I had planned, planned in inverted commas, um, some while ago about um, what I was going to talk about um, on this retreat, but um, I've been uh, slightly diverted over these last few weeks and it's not come together. But it's given me the opportunity to, um, I think we need to, look at some of the major principles of our practice. I mean, we do that anyway, in, in a sense. It's no different to all the other talks, but I'm going to just try and pick out certain features so that you can refresh yourself, um, uh, which we always need to do with this training, that uh, so you, don't, you don't just read a book once, a Dharma book once, for example, and then think that you've got it, you've absorbed it, all that you read. Um, it just doesn't work. The Dharma doesn't work that way. I know, you, I know you're all very intelligent, and uh, you read books and you remember things, you read things and you remember them, and you don't have to go back and, uh, and, to, and to redo it. But Dharma's not of the same quality as the world. You may, you may get it on some superficial level, which I'm sure you might well do that, but that's not good enough just to grab a few concepts and think, well, that's it, I've done that. That's only the beginning. You, you, you take, a, you take a, 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 a word, a concept, or a, a line of something, or a particular perspective, and you have to come back to it over and over. And actually, you can't come back to it over enough actually, and say, well, I've done that. Because the Dharma's not like that. And the Dharma, as I as I like to point out, the Dharma's not a big thing. It's not a huge thing. You're not going on some massive um, exercise of, 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 of taking on lots and lots of information like you might do with something you do in your life where you have to study for two or three years and remember lots of things and do examinations. Well, you might, you may have draw parallels there if, if you go on like Buddhist studies and you want to study the history of Buddhism and all the schools and traditions and practices and, uh, well, you probably need more than one lifetime actually if that's what you want to do. But that's what you do. Um, and you study, you go to college. You can do courses on these things these days. Go to college, university. Um, but don't think the Dharma's like that. If you think, if you think the Dharma, you, you approach the Dharma in the same way as you do everything else, you've got it wrong. Actually, the Dharma's not a big thing at all. The Dharma is actually very small, and there isn't very much to learn intellectually. Um, you know, different. Traditions have different practices and some elongate it more than others. 
uh, but even those that really elongate it, it's still not a, a great deal. I mean, it, it does go on from there, but that, that's because people want to drag lots of other stuff in, incidental stuff, because they get bored. They've they've read a few, they've read the Dharma, and, and then they want to be entertained more. So then they start to puff it up, puff it out, and drag all lots of other. This is where Buddhism then comes in. Then you start attaching stuff to the basic principles, and then it and then it grows more and more, and it gets more puffed up, and then you get it gets complicated, and and you end up you don't. You know, you forget, and you're not you're not quite sure what you're doing and what you're up to, and all the rest of it. That's because you've made it more complicated than you need to. And I think that goes for all practices. And and when it comes to our particular practice, it's the simplest of all of all Dharma practices. There is nothing more simple. And what that means by simple is that you actually don't really need to know that much. And when you put it into practice, it's you can't you cannot get it any more simple. You can't. It's not possible. But what you need to do is that you need to always be looking into it. Go ever deeper. Don't think because you, you, you convince yourself that you grasped it and that's enough, and you need to. And that, and then you can move on to something else because you do that. The way the mind is. It, it, it proliferates, it wants more, it, it's hungry, it's insatiable. You can't give it enough. Whatever you give it, it wants more. You have to be very careful, very alive to that, and see that, that is, that's how the mind works. Papancha, it's called in Pali, if you like. It's proliferation, and it's a very, very important concept the way it's just it just craves for, for more and more. And when you come to the Dharma, you just have to be very good. Go and crave other things if that's what you did, want to do. You're going to want to fill your mind up with something, but don't fill your mind up with, 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 practice, with practice, what you consider to be practice. In fact, isn't practice. What you're doing is you're proliferating and you're making it more ever more complicated because you're not satisfied with just staying with the simplicity of the whole thing that's in front of you. you don't, we don't do simplicity. The mind, the mind doesn't do simplicity. It's not capable of doing simplicity. But when you practice the Dharma, you have to be very alive to that, see the nature of the mind, and learn to say no to it. And, and don't keep just going on and on and on and on in the name of practice. Now, you may want to do it because you're interested in, in various subjects, but don't, don't mix the two. Don't, don't confuse the two. What you need is, is, is to get a grasp of how, how, it, how each, what, whatever tradition, whatever practice that you are committed to, and hopefully it's only one, because if you're mixing and matching and you're taking a bit from this tradition, that tradition, um, well... Not only are you making it very complicated, but it almost certainly isn't going to work because all practices are autonomous, they're all within their own right. They're not, they're not created so that you can add more bits on when you feel like it, which is the nature of the mind. And that's what we do. And us Westerners, because we're very intelligent, 
we're well educated, we're used to reading and studying, and we and we just carry on like we're doing, like we do with all, all, all other things. Well, you you want you want to get to the to, to the to the bottom of things if you want to know about the human condition and why you suffer, and you put yourself through things like coming here for a week and all the challenges and difficulties that this can can present to you. Then do it in the right way. Why why put yourself into something that's you're just going to create more difficulties for yourself, and you're not going to get to, you're not going to answer your questions. You won't answer your questions if you make this complicated, and you're maybe you're just making yourself suffer for, for no reason. Because you, you you're just buying into your into your into that mind into that everyday mind that, that's insatiable, and you're just taking on more and more and more. So you need to be very careful. This is a unique. What you do here, the Dharma is unique. It has no parallel. I've said this over and over. The, the Dharma is not Buddhism. The Dharma is, is totally unique in your experience. You will never experience anything in your life that has the same characteristics as the Dharma in terms of practice. Not in terms of study, in terms of practice. And you have to pick that, you have to find that. Because you want to change. You don't want to accumulate knowledge, you want change. You want to get to the bottom of your suffering and understand what's going on. Reading books is not going to do that for you. So you have to understand that the Dharma is it's got a quality, it's got characteristics that have no parallel. And you have to approach the Dharma in a way you have to learn to approach it because you, you you've never done it before. So bearing that in mind if you are a practitioner, then you need to just embrace the principles and the practice of, of that particular practice that you're doing, that, that tradition. And then if you do that, at least you've taken the first step in the right direction. That's not to say you'll pull it off, of course. But at least you're putting yourself in the right place. You, 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 rather than what so many of us do in the West, is that we pick and choose. And you and you and you cobble together your own thing, which is okay if that's what if that's what you want if that's what gives you some sort of satisfaction or comfort or it's what you want to do then um you know good luck to you, but don't expect things to change and I assume you come here and you put yourself through all of this because you want change. Because if you just want to study, why, why bother to do this? If you just want to accumulate this sort of knowledge, why, why do you bother to come, come and do this? Why don't you get a few books and go to the seaside and read them? You come here because you want, <coughs> you want to change. You want to go beyond the concepts and the ideas. You want to get down to the bottom and, and, and root, root, root things out that's within you. Well then, if that's what you really want to do, and I'm not sure that that's what everybody who comes to Buddhism really wants to do, 
But if that's what you really want to do, then you have to you have to go about it in the right way. And I think this pertains to all traditions, all practices, because you're practicing the Dharma, which is not a worldly pursuit. It's, it has it has its own completely unique characteristics that you have to learn to pick, find, to identify, to see, and get. You say so that you get it, and if you get it, you should come to realize that in for the practice, because change only takes place when you are practicing, you actually don't need that much, actually. And I think that that goes for even the most conceptual practices that are around, never mind the, the, the less conceptual. Conceptual means thoughts, ideas, um, logic and all these things. Even even those I don't I don't think are particularly big and heavy 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 things. But if you're doing the more the less conceptual, the ones that don't that, that don't cultivate and develop, so that you do have to have some knowledge, where you go from one step to the next, complete complete one part and then move on to the next part, like stepping stones on the journey, going from A to Z, in order to get from one step to the next, you have to complete the, the, the step, step one before you go to step two, and complete step two before you get to step three. It's, 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 it's a developing process. Um, but even that's even that's even that's too challenging for most people, and it's something you can grasp intellectually. Even that even that's too much because we don't have the patience to do, to, to finish and, and and complete our first step before we before we want to go on to step two. Impatience, and then on to step three before you finish step two. So step two is incomplete, as is step one. And you're pushing yourself on and on and on when you haven't when you're not ready and things aren't aren't mature enough for you to go deeper with those things um, that's very common massively common you do you do step one and you carry on for a while and like I've just been saying you don't want to puff it up and bring other things in and and just and and, and Make it make it some make make it bigger than what it what it needs to be, because you're bored and you've not got what you want, and it's not uh, it's not fulfilled itself. So you you go you go looking for answers, and like I say, you read and you study and you puff it up, and you think you've got it all worked out, and you go on to number two, and you've not even finished that first step. That patience that we need in order to and that patience pertains to all, all, all practices, not just patience, but patient endurance, kishanti. When we just have to stay with it until we until it truly matures so that you can start to go deeper or, or the next whatever the next step is, which can only really be done with a teacher in a proper way. So it you know you, 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 you see, this is not an easy thing to do, even even there. We, we just have to learn. We're, we're like we're, we're babies when we come to this. 
with babies and you have to learn with a completely different quality, a completely different mind of how you actually practice. Practice with an S, not with a C. And when we come to our form of practice, uh, our f- so-called formless practice. Well, formless practice means for- formless means there's no concepts. A formless concept is an object. Our practice is actually objectless. We don't we don't do objects. We don't do concepts and things. You can go down that road, but we don't do that. We. Uh, We learned. We learned. We learned to, to put this training in place <clears throat> without adding lots of stuff, paraphernalia, and that includes, as I was saying at the beginning, a lot of study, a lot of ideas, a lot of knowledge, a lot of Buddhism, all of this stuff, because that's what your mind wants to do. But actually, not only is the Dharma very, is not a big thing at all. Our interpretation of the Dharma makes it even smaller. So you need even less. But what you've got, you need to embrace that and mature it, look into it, go ever deeper with it, without falling into the trap of running off on a tangent and and making it complicated. And that's what the mind does. And when you do that, you're off. If there is a path, we call it a path, provisional. Then you're off the path. Then you start going up one of your cul-de-sacs with this. Because you haven't had the patience, you haven't had the wisdom, the knowledge, just to stay with what you've got. You think you need more. Because you've not matured it, because you're not broken through, you think you're missing something. So you go looking for things. But actually, you have got everything. With our form of practice, you've got, I can tell you, you've got everything that you need. <laughs> you absolutely have everything that you need. You do not need to add anything that, you've, that, that you don't already have. What you need to do is discover, is to discover what you have. And in order to discover what you have, you don't go looking for it in your head. You don't go looking for concepts and ideas and more, or more knowledge and in inverted commas. You need to look. Learn to be still. Learn to look into yourself. And discover that everything that you need for your liberation is with you in the here and now. And if you can do that, what else is there to do? Why do you need to read? Why do you need to take on war? What's that about? Where's that going? All that's doing is taking you away. It's not taking you to the heart, to your heart, to the centre of who you are. It's, taking, it's that literally taking you away. You're falling into the trap that you've been trapped in all of your life, where you just feed this thing up here. 
and create this dualistic world. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a Buddhist world or even a Dharmic world. It's dualistic and it's limited. And it's also, it's also almost certainly to take you off on a tangent. So what you need is just to orientate yourself, to protect yourself from falling into these into these temptations and just put a few concepts around you, a few ideas around you, because you do need them. The mind the mind does have to have a, a space in the scheme of things. You can't just squash it and not use it at all. But you can use learn to use it wisely with with a very, very few things that will that will point you inwards away from concepts, away from the mind. Not when you when you when you nurture them, when you understand them on a deeper level, take you into the world, take you into your mind, take you into more concepts and more ideas. You've got it wrong if you do that. You've got it wrong. And you're falling into the trap. And once you get into that trap, it's like you become a it's like you know people who eat, eat a lot of food you eat and you want you want more and whatever you eat is not good enough you want another you want different sorts of food and do different things just like you know if you watch tv these days and see all these food programs unbelievable how many in one day do you see on tv if you flick through the channels on one day never mind one week we're just not satisfied with what we got. You know, it's, it's never enough. It's always, let's try something new. Always, just watch it. That's the nature of the mind. That's the nature of, of, of the self of us, that we're, we're nothing, where we're all looking for satisfaction and you're never going to find it. So therefore we just keep searching all the time till we find the Holy Grail which you will never find <clears throat> it's the same with us we need to and I really want to get this message across to you and I've said it said it all before you know without, without training it is not something big it's something small and what it and what it and what it's designed to do is not to create more stuff. You want to go out and get more stuff to put on top of this stuff. But if you understand the little bit that you get, if you understand it, it's encouraging you to let go of stuff that you've already got. Let go, let go, let go. So you become smaller, you don't become bigger. All of that stuff, you leave all your attachment. It teaches you, you understand. It's pointing inwards that when you look in, you let go. When you look in, you don't start taking stuff with you when you go inside. It's when you go out that you take stuff and you accumulate stuff and you want more stuff and you can never get enough stuff because the world is full of stuff and you just want more and more and more and more. That's the world. If you get this right and you look in, you want to 
jettison things. You want to let go of things. You don't want more. You want to be, you want to be free. You don't want to be carrying bags around with you. You don't want stuff on your shoulders. You want to end up with nothing, just a sense, a sense of freedom, a sense of not carrying anything, being unburdened. That's what the Dharma should will, will bring to you. If you, if you, if it is Dharma, if what you do is correct, and if you find out that you just carry more baggage, i.e., more stuff in your head, then you've, you're going the wrong direction. <clears throat> and what we've got in this group, essentially, in essence, in spirit, there isn't anything at all. But we do need to orientate ourselves. We do need to get ourselves going in the right direction. And I like to think that just the few teachings that have been put together, that have come together, actually, not I'm not sat down and sort of had this great scheme, this great plan, but just a little bit, the little bit that that is on offer is enough. I'm, I have utter conviction that you don't need any more for this type of practice, for this for this ancient practice of of accepting that we are already whole and complete. The so-called imminent model, where we open and, and accept our nature, that there is, a, there is a part of us that's already whole and complete, that needs nothing. What we need to do is to, is to discover it. And the only way, the only way you discover your own innate nature is to let go of what you're now holding on to. You will never, ever discover it by bringing on board more stuff. And that's the danger that we all have, that we all that, that follows follows us all the time, because the mind is always looking for stuff. It's his nature. It will always be like that. You don't have to get upset with yourself. The mind wants to accumulate. It's thirsty. It's hungry. It's like all these food programs. It can't get enough. Whatever you give it, however fantastic a taste that you have that you've never had in your life, that just blows your mind a week later you could be looking for another one that's the way our mind is and that's not the Dharma that's the world so if what stuff that you've got concepts that you've got are not encouraging you to let go but to take more on board then, then there's something wrong you should you should the more that you understand and the more that you cultivate and the more alive you become that the reality the living experience is that you should be becoming ever more tired tired of the stuff that you carry and the stuff that you've been craving and you just get tired of it because you know it doesn't go anywhere you have it and tomorrow you come back for more and you can see there's a part of you that's looking for, 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 for fulfilment all the time. But 
It's always going out, and whatever whatever it tastes, whatever it eats, it wants something new shortly afterwards. And you begin to see that, and you be, you begin to become tired of it because it's so energy sapping and it's so it's so deceiving. It's so disapp- it's so disappointing that actually isn't gonna it isn't gonna give you it's not gonna give you what you what you really want. And you just got to see it and you say, Well no, I'm not doing that. And so you you become you ever more ever more you go inwards to that part of you that doesn't want anything. It's already it's already perfect, it's already whole and complete. Totally, utterly fulfilled. Not just fulfilled for five minutes, or even a life. It is eternally fulfilled. Eternally fulfilled. And that's who you really are. That's not some make-believe, oh, lovely fantasy, wouldn't that be great? I'm sorry, but that is is how how it is. Whether you see it or not. Everybody has got that inner nature that wants for nothing and yet we spend our whole life wanting, wanting, wanting <clears throat> and this training this is at the heart of this training and if you take the spirit of that you see that this isn't about accumulating this isn't about reading book after book after book oh, I've read that, I want give me another one oh I've read that, give me another one like you do in the world and you become an expert on Buddhism which is great, lovely thing to do, but it wouldn't you never become free. You see you see that more and you tire you tire of it. You get tired of it because you know that it's just it's a deception. What you want to do is just find that inner peace, that inner tranquility, that part of you that wants nothing. We all want peace. We all want to be free. Ask anybody. Never mind spiritual ambitions or not people want peace to be liberated from themselves <clears throat> and what I, and what I've offered you over these what's come together over these years um, <coughs> will take you to that place I, I'm con- I'm convinced yes the concepts I know that but if you if you if you take them to heart and you and you see and you see where they're pointing, what they mean and where they're pointing. You shouldn't want to add more and more on. You should see what it's pointing to, and then see yourself and the way you are, and the way your mind is, and the way your desires are, and your aversions and your fears. How they are, you want to, you want to drop them. You want to let them go and not put anything in place. And see that by letting go, by dropping, you're not going to fall into a void. You're not going to become a zombie, become some mindless person, as your mind will convince you. Is what will be the outcome if you do that. You do that with a conviction, a growing conviction, maybe a growing realization that actually there's something that's already there that's waiting to take its place. It's sitting there waiting for you to get out the way. It's already there. You don't, you don't have to do anything. There's nothing for you to make. 
you just learn to let, learn to get out of the way and see, oh golly, blind me. It's been, this is who I've been from the very beginning, but I've allowed myself to get lost in this, in this, in this dream world that just wants me to be running, 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 grasping, 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 forever running and, and, and grabbing at things so that you, to, to, to find that freedom which is innate within all, within all of us, that desire is, is within all, all of us. And we've been, we've been going in the wrong direction, just accumulating. <clears throat> and see, if you take this, this training on, this, this, this practice, yes, it's conceptual, and it's not your true nature, but it will point you, I'm, I'm convinced, it will point you in the right direction and it will take you to the place, it will take you to that to that, to that point where you will discover the truth of that, and I, and, and the way that it's, and the way that it's formulated over the years, and it has been. A, I can assure you, it's never been anything that I set out, a sort of a grand plan. It's how that it's, it, it's, it's come through me, as all this stuff does, and. <clears throat> Solidified, if you like, in, in, in concepts, the five, the five pillars. Which, if you go back to the beginning and before the five pillars were born, five pillars of transformation were born, became a sort of a, a defined, a defined a, a teaching. You go back, you'll see the five pillars in all those years from when I started until until it finally ended up. You know, written down in a paperback form, or even even a retreat that the retreat <coughs> retreat that the um, transcript was made of. I mean, that retreat was deliberately put in that way so that it could be transcribed. But all the years leading up up to that has actually been the the maturing of the five pillars without it being a deliberate. Act. It's just it just solidified and just presented itself in that way, and that's just how it worked. And I think those five pillars um, that I've never felt a need to modify, to change in any way. I think I think if you take them on board, they are they are going to they are going to very very much challenge your conditioning. Completely reorientate your whole sense of being, your whole sense of understanding of of, of life, all all of your habits, everything that you follow, everything that you've taken for granted. Um, um, I feel very confident that if you if you if you truly put these into practice and 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 nurture them, take them to heart. Don't proliferate. Don't start adding bits on it because it's not. You got a book that's that thick. You don't need to add anything to any of those pillars. You may get bored. You may say you understand, but I think if you really understand, you wouldn't. You would. You you, you would. You, you wouldn't be like that. You would. 
your relationship would be quite different towards them. You see, you see them as something that that helps you on a daily basis that you can that you can reflect upon and put into practice, <clears throat> so that you get to know yourself, so that you learn to let go of all of the stuff, the habits that we've created for ourselves that estrange us from that re- our, our true reality of that part of us that's, that's, that's already free and liberated. I feel confident with that. But what I've done, that, that is, that's been in place for some years, the last, whatever it is now, three years, I don't know, three or four years. After that conceptual sort of construction that gives you a framework that you can work with, that you can understand and that you can begin to understand yourself and begin to let go of the stuff that you hold on to, that the, uh, the introduction of the blue sky, white cloud concept is, I believe, is, is no, absolutely no different. That They are not two. They're not two separate things. But the blue sky is, is introducing you, is taking you beyond that conceptual world where the five pillars will almost certainly have there. And it's, and it's pointing and it's encouraging you to look directly into your true nature So the five pillars is there to is a clearing ground. Is to is to orientate you. Is to is to get rid of some of the rough clutter. So that you can settle. And you can begin to look in. And begin to get to know yourself. Learn to be still. Learn to be settled. Learn to open. And when you learn to open. And when you find that stillness you will find that you're on the threshold of the blue sky, which is your true nature, who you really are. So you have that, that journey, if you like. But they're not separate, and they're never separate. You don't have to say, I've done that one, here we go again, I've done step one, now I'm on step two. You never, you never go beyond step one. There's only, for us, there's only one. There is, there's only one step, and actually, you may even question there's a step. But if there is a step, there's only one. So you don't start getting this progression. I'm progressing, and I don't need to do that anymore. I wish you do. Until as long as you're carrying a dualistic mind and a samsaric mind, you have to be ever alive to that. Because that will always that will always creep up and grab you, and you need you never say I've gone beyond I've I've gone beyond that preliminary or that the five pillars is preliminary. It's not preliminary at all. We don't do preliminary. Preliminary. All of the features they're all they're all in one, and you go from one. You can oscillate around depending on your situation, your understanding, your, but you never leave any of them behind. You never go beyond them. Once, you, once the whole thing drops off, 
well, then you can start to <clears throat> think about those things. But until then, you don't. You never go beyond the basics. That's just you. I'm making progress. I don't. That's simple. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm on. I'm on to deeper, more meaningful, more insightful stuff now. Well, you might be, but you can. This isn't a straight line. This is this, this training is never ever a straight line. Never from A to B to C to D. It's something that's like this. It can. It can go. Things can open up. And you can you can have insights and understandings beyond your wildest imaginations. But then soon after you come crashing down and you're back into, into stuff that you thought that you left behind. So you must never ever go down that road and get complacent and think, I've done that. Be alive, be alive, be alive all the time. And see the nature of mind and see the nature of your samsara, how it works. <clears throat> that this thing does not go in a straight line, so don't start puffing yourself up. But having said that, some bits of course are much more mature than others. But And the blue sky concept. <clears throat> of course, it's taking you. It's taking. It's taking you to your true nature. So you can say, well, it's more. It's more. It's, it's more. It's more. Um, more mature than dealing with my restlessness, which is very. I mean, you can't get more mundane. You read about restlessness. It's about the most mundane thing you could possibly read about. It's so mundane that everybody in the world could could understand it. It's not even dharmic. It's that's how mundane it is. It's so. It's so every day that everybody knows what the word restlessness means. And yet it's one of the, it's one of the biggest, it's one of the, the biggest inhibitors that we will ever have on the dynamic path. And yet it's every day, it's, it's, it's mundane. You say, oh, oh my, oh, restlessness, oh, give me the blue sky. I want the blue sky, I'm restlessness for God's sake, you know. Who do you, who do you think you're talking to? But uh, you look at yourself, we are in perpetual state of restlessness. Even when you see the blue sky, restlessness is never far behind it, and it will, it will grab you and it'll have you. It'll have you hopping around. Look at your mind. Watch, look at, watch yourself. Look at yourself. You're hopping around all the time. Even when you find stillness and insight, that mind is still not far behind. So the blue sky and restlessness are never two. You're not moving from one to the next. You progress from one to the next. It's a very, very big mistake. You go down that road and you'll, it'll have you. And you think you've left things behind, mundane things behind. But you'll still be caught by them. Ever, ever watchful with every feature of your makeup. You know, and I think that that restlessness. I, mean, I, I often like to, to, to pick it out, picked it out in the past, simply because of its mundane nature, its everyday nature. That everybody, everybody knows what the word means. Will give you an interpretation. Everyone says, "Ah, oh, yes, I'm restless." 
Everybody would admit to being restless. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean by restless. It's so common, it's so every day. And yet it will destroy your Dharma practice. And what blows me away about this, Dharma teachers and stuff that you read, hardly anybody ever talks about it. This is something I've never been able to get to the bottom of. And yet it's the, it's, you, you could arguably say it's the biggest impediment that we've all got. And yet people don't talk about it. Maybe because it's not sexy enough, you see. Restless is not sexy. So let's talk sexy stuff, otherwise they, they won't come and listen to me next time. I spend the next hour talking about restlessness. They go and find some other teacher that's talking about enlightenment. It's much more interesting. But if you're a Dharma practitioner, restlessness is far more important to you than enlightenment. Enlightenment's got nothing to do with you. Forget it. Restlessness has everything to do with you. And you need to look at that and see, this is, this is why, this is why I'm, I'm not still, the, how I find it so difficult to find stillness. But it's only when you find stillness do you find your true nature. Do you find wisdom? Do you find insight? Genuine insight. It's only when you find stillness does that even becomes a possibility. Never mind actually pulling it off. But without that stillness, you're never going to see anything. And why am I not still? It's because my mind is running all the time. Grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. Never, never, never satisfied. Never wants to rest on anything for more than a few moments before he wants to hop onto the next thing and the next thing. To the extent when my body is the same, I can never sit still. I'm restless, itchy, itchy. What is it? Ants in my pants. Can't sit still. All of this. Oh, it's so mundane. That's why you don't know your true nature. How can you say that's mundane? How can you say that's not important? How could you just not have it on your radar? It just it just does me when I when I when I look at it when I look at that, I think well, why why are people not made aware? Why why are people not why are practitioners and not not been told to to, to, to wake up and realise and to begin to take to take a grip of that restless mind, begin to tame it, begin to bring discipline to themselves. And not and not be and not be just pulled around by it continually, because when it pulls you around, you will never know yourself. There will never be any wisdom. Genuine wisdom, genuine wisdom comes out of stillness. It doesn't come out of this thing. It comes from here, and you only get here by being still, by being in the body. When you become still, you come into the body. Stillness in the body, that's where it is. Stillness is not in your head. When you're still, your, your, your mind, this thing up here, doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> and I've... So given, given, given the five pillars and, and given you the blue sky, white cloud, on the same plate, on the same level the same value, and I haven't tried to elevate one. But of course, the blue sky, of course, it's going to take you beyond 
you're going to discover that part of you that's beyond the conditioned world, beyond your duality, beyond the, the, the dream, the dream that we create and we live, we live with all the time. Like now, we're all abiding in duality. We don't even question it. We take it, well, everything, I'm here, you're over there. You just take, well, that's the way it is. Well, actually, that's not, that's your mind. <laughs> your mind's created that. That's not reality. There's nothing real about that. You're totally convinced that you're over there and I'm over here. And that glass of water's over there. You don't even question it. But that's your mind has done that. That's not real. That's not reality. That's been created by you. And this sense of me. Here I am. I'm here. You're over there. And that dualistic world that gets manufactured, completely, completely manufactured by your state of not knowing. And then you live within that duality. This is why you you run around all of your life looking for security looking to shore yourself up because you feel separate and you feel lonely everybody feels lonely it's a existential reality for all humans and the reason why we feel lonely is because we feel separate if you didn't have that sense of separateness from all things how could you be lonely you'd be at one with everything fully content but we're not we're lost, we're separate, we feel lost, we're lonely, we're frightened. Something, I need to look after myself. You take that to be, well, I'm telling you, you're making that up. That's what you're dealing with, that's how clever it is. You like to think some things you make up, your thoughts and fantasies, or oh, I'm making them up. But even that basic foundation that you don't even query... That's a fiction also. And that's something that we have to learn to wake up to and learn to see that, that it's not, that's, not, that's not real. So, you know, the, the, the nature of your mind, the way the whole thing is, it's just so, it's so all-embracing. It's so, it totally encompasses you and it keeps you there, it traps you. <clears throat> and you spend eternity running and creating. But there's a part of us that's free, that even when you're running and you're lost and you're suffering and stuck in duality, there's a part of you that's not in duality, that's free, that's not lonely, never lost, that's totally fulfilled and wants nothing, not touched by any, anything at all. We call that true nature, Buddha nature, original nature, whatever. And that's, that's a principle, if that's what it is, if you've not discovered an inkling for yourself that there is something other than me that's with you, that's present. If you have that sort of intuitive thing, that there's more to me than me, if you've got that sense, which a lot of people have, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people have, well, there you are. You, 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 you get an inkling of, of who you really are. And that's what this 
so-called journey is this is this is where we're going we're going back to that place and rediscovering it so that it can come into our lives so that it can sweep away all this nonsense that we create for ourselves but there's a lot of stuff that has to be let go of here the five pillars will help you begin to declutch from attachment because you understand yourself and you're looking into and also you're discovering what I were the fifth pillar you're beginning to discover yes there is something other than me here I've always had a motor I always thought that something, something else was going on now you begin to get more of a conviction that you can begin to open to that begin to even develop a relationship with it in your in your meditation in your daily life begin to find you know, Tibetans like to call it the inner, inner guru, a part of you that knows, a part of you that's there waiting for you, that knows, the knower, that knows everything. And the reason why it knows everything is because it is everything. And we begin to develop, open ourselves to that. To me, this is the spiritual path. I don't see how you can ignore all of this or exclude it or just laugh at it as people do. And, and say that you're on the spiritual path. I don't get that. You're stuck in duality. And you will always be stuck in duality. This, this is encouraging you to step beyond the conditioned. When you begin to discover that part of you, an inkling, oh, you, but you have to be open to that. You have to give it the benefit of the doubt. If you're cynical and if you're saying it's a load of rubbish, then you definitely won't never, ever, ever discover your true nature. You have to give it the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully, maybe from your own little experiences that you've had, learn to open and learn to develop a relationship with a part of you that wants to help you, to help you in, carry you through your, your training, through, through, your, through your life, to support you. You can do that. That's where the, the fifth pillar comes there. <clears throat> but the fifth pillar is no different than the blue sky. And what I, what I've added to, what I've added to the blue sky is is the white cloud. Now the white cloud, <clears throat> in no way impinges, no way does it undermine or threaten the blue sky. It doesn't diminish it one iota. Look at the blue. Can you imagine a, a day when we have a complete blue sky? And it's warm and lovely, the sun shines uninterrupted. And yet there could be somewhere a little white cloud in the sky. But one little white cloud is not going to diminish that experience of the totality of the blueness and the warmth that comes from the blueness unimpeded. It doesn't, it doesn't. There's a sort of a paradox there that you have this complete openness and yet there is still there is an object. But that object is so benign, it's so it's so small that actually not for one single moment does it affect this sense of complete expansiveness that, that, that you've got and the warmth and the brightness. It doesn't touch it one, one little bit. But that, that white cloud for us is very, very important. <clears throat> and the, 
and the apparent contradiction of having a, bl a blue sky and a white cloud together at the same time without one affecting the other. And this is what I've tried to point to with, with that concept. And it's, it's an ancient teaching. I'm not making anything up. You can cross me. <laughs> I mean, I was very inspired when I came across it with the, with the, with the Chinese teacher, Hong Zhe, who actually who, who penned um, Silent Illumination. <clears throat> this, I called it Blue Sky, White Cloud, but it's pointing to Silent, silent Illumination. This is ancient. I'm not making anything up. This isn't me throwing the baby out with the bathwater or adding something because I want put my, to put my, put, put, put my own stamp on, on the teaching like Western teachers do. <coughs> I'm just drawing on what's already there. I've been there for hundreds, thousands of years. And that blue sky, white cloud actually opens up the whole concept of, of insight, of vipassana. <coughs> We've got the samatha, the samatha of the, of, the, of the clear blue sky, the uncluttered, the no-thingness, the peace and the expansiveness of samatha. But at the same time, and this is so important to realise this, that we also have the concepts of, of vipassana, Vipassana and Samatha. Now traditionally, you normally have these two running side by side. You have, you have Vipassana, which is your first stage, you quiet down, you create the space, and then you turn yourself to Vipassana. So like two things that run side by side. With our form of training, they're not two. They're never two, they're not split. Samatha and Vipassana are one. And that may seem just like pedantic, if you're being pedantic, just sort of, but actually that points to something so incredibly profound, but also very subtle, that it's not two, it's not dualistic. Vipassana and Samatha for us are not dualistic. I might be stepping a bit beyond some of you here, but I just want to say this. Samatha and Vipassana are not two. They're not two things, but they're one. They have two words. They're, they're, they're two concepts for actually for, for, for the one. And when you enter the spirit, the spirit of that, and you actually, you actually bring that into, in, into, into how, you, how you do your training, what that will do will take you away from duality and will get you to embrace the whole of life, everything, everything that's in it. It doesn't split, it doesn't discriminate, it doesn't cut up in any way. It embraces everything from the mundane to the, to the, to the profound, to the, to the from the condition to the unconditioned. It's all one. Your true nature becomes a part, not something that, that you move towards and you go to. It's there, it's all one. Like I'm saying, the five pillars and, and the blue sky are not two separate. They are one. Vipassana and Samatha are one, and that's what takes us away from the dualistic form of Vipassana and Samatha. Vipassana is a very popular practice these days. 
but that will never take you to your true nature. That's stuck in duality, and, it, and you won't go beyond. It won't take you beyond that because you don't have the vision at the same time of opening up to the totality of who you are and the whole of life. So you don't discriminate, so that it's one. And your whole training becomes within that totality, not sticking it in segments, cutting it up. That's the difference. And this training, if you follow it, we'll talk about it as we go along. We'll um, hopefully take you to the uniqueness of this. Don't, don't mix up some different person that you read all the time. It's very, very popular, and some of you have, uh, have, gone, have, have, have practiced this. The, 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 uh, the sort of vipassana that's commonplace these days. <clears throat> don't, don't mistake that vipassana for what the vipassana that we do. The difference is immense. And what ours will do, it will point you to your true nature, but also incorporate. It's there. It's, it's always, everything is with you. It isn't picking and choosing. It isn't you listing. The totality is with you as you pursue the vipassana, the insightful path of getting to know yourself, of understanding so that it falls away and opens up to who you already are, to who, to who you are, because who you, who you are is not separate from your vipassana. <clears throat> so you're not creating something new but rather awakening to something that happens to be more subtle, but it's, but it's present. So there's no duality at all. You know, I don't know whether you, I've just gone from one, from one end to the other here, and I'm just giving you the whole, the whole picture. And this is what you've got from me <coughs> in the time that I've been doing this. And I... You know, I felt this is complete for the last few years. And unlike my history, where things have always sort of matured and moved on to the next thing, and as I've tried to explain, this is it. There is no more. You can't go beyond the blue sky. Only turn into some ego thing, I suppose, I don't know. But everything is here. Say from restlessness as mundane to your true nature, it's all within that. that. That's what you need. That's all you, and you need all of it all the time. You don't go beyond any of it. You keep all, you keep all of it, and you don't need to go out next time. Just look in, look in, look in, more and more, so that when you read. If you, if you want to read, if you have to read, be, be so careful what you read. That, that if, you're, if you're truly attuned to the Dharma and you truly get it, you, that, Dharma, that Dharma is so tiny, you, you won't want all this other stuff. It's so tiny, you just want to mature it. I call it polishing, whatever, however you want to see it. That, sm that small thing needs to be matured more and more and more and more and more. And you do that.
I'll be it. And I've tried during the week to um, tease it out a wee bit more for you. I think we'll have to do for today.